Good morning. It is the 18th of December, 2023. There have been a lot of rumors coming out of Rome the last couple of weeks about the next conclave. This is, of course, the natural consequence of Francis not exactly being in the best physical state that he could be in and being needing the help of professionals all the time to just keep up with his daily goings and comings and things that he always does. He had to cancel his trip to Dubai recently. He had he's had a whole host of problems and the rumors coming out of rome for the past few weeks have to do with the coming conclave because there is one coming we don't know when it's going to be it'll be my guess will be 2024 or 2025 but he could be around for a great deal of time much longer than anybody expects and i don't sit here and think about this as a you know you know, gleefully hoping that he goes sometime soon, I would caution everybody to resist any temptation to think about things in that way, to have those inclinations. Yes, I do fully acknowledge that scripture tells us that we may rejoice in the defeat of our enemies and things, and they're meeting their just consequences for their actions. Grant that. I also would remind people that it is a tragedy if a soul is lost. And we don't know Francis's interior state. We don't know what his final moments will be like. We don't know his final destination. So I would suggest people don't take too much glee in these things. Just be be wary. But there are a bunch of rumors have been coming from Rome on this stuff. And we're going to go over a couple of these. And then I'm going to tell you what I think is really going on here. Because it's the rumors are pointing to something actually just of something very important going on. So the latest version of this comes from Aldo Maria Valli's website. And he gives us this headline of an assistant for the Pope. This is going to sound familiar to people. We've got the story coming out that Francis is considering hiring a coadjutor bishop of Rome. Now, a coadjutor bishop, if you just do a Google search for Pope Francis and coadjutor bishop, you're going to find dozens of stories of him appointing these assistant bishops. In normal circumstances, it's not that big of a deal. As I've spoken about with Bishop Ray in recent uh, recently and with a video that I'll have maybe tomorrow on the subject, sometimes it's not for good reasons that it's done. But in general, it's not out of the ordinary. A coadjutor bishop is an assistant bishop who has a right of automatic succession once the sitting bishop retires or passes away. They otherwise assist them with the governing of the diocese, maybe having some specific authority granted to them that the sitting bishop no longer has, depending on the circumstance. But it's not an unusual thing to have happen. There's a whole bunch of coadjutor bishops in North America right now, let alone throughout the rest of the church. But that's not what this story is. This is a coadjutor bishop of Rome, meaning coadjutor pope. This is not the first time we've heard this. We'll talk about that in a bit. But this story broke this weekend. In fact, this was sent to me by a patron in the patron discord. So if you, uh, there's uh, conversations going there all the time. If you are thinking about being a channel member or a patron, that's one of the perks you get is a access to the discord. And I'm much more timely with being able to respond to messages from people there than I am in like Patreon or Subscribestar or worse, my email. My email account for this channel has 900 emails in it right now. A lot of them junk. So please stop CCing me on messages to your priests or stop including me on your email chains. That doesn't help. Anyway, so from Aldo Maria Valley's news site on this, quote, 
Now someone has put forward a completely uh, really terrible hypothesis. We don't know on what basis. It is claimed that Pope Francis may appoint a co-adjutor bishop for Rome. Be careful. He would appoint a co-adjutor bishop to help him in the government of the not of the Diocese of Rome, for which he has the cardinal vicar and a battalion of auxiliary bishops, but of the universal church, another Peronist devilry. And someone even mentions the name of this possible assistant. Sorry, I can't help but laugh when I read this. Tuco Fernandez. In other words, Fernandez would become the official vice pope as well as pope de facto. <laughs> I said it's uh, on the fringe, he said. Yes, a more serious problem than having appointed Tuco prefect of the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith. I repeat at the moment, it is nothing more than a senseless hypothesis, but paradoxically, it is a certain logic in the events we are experiencing and in the mind of Pope Francis. His bronchitis is proving more stubborn than usual, and when he passes, if he passes, there's not an if, he is going to it someday, we all will, there will be, another, if he doesn't pass, there will be a, another affliction and another, and that will ultimately take him to meet our Lord. Bergoglio knows, like those around him, that his end is near. He knows that he is weak and tired, and he knows that the vultures and hawks are already circling over Santa Marta because they smell his coming passing. He also knows that in the weeks or months preceding that, the suitors to the succession will begin to position themselves and he and his weakness will not be able to do much to push them away. This is why in recent times his circle has become increasingly narrower, and now he is surrounded only by Jesuits and Argentinians, those he believes he can trust. Let's bring the magnifying glass even closer. Cardinal Victor Fernandez has, was christened in the early days of the pontificate as the pampered, the pontiff's darling, and is becoming increasingly cuddly. Bergoglio trusts him blindly, and that is why he is committed and continues to commit gross strategic errors, such as the expulsion of Bishop Strickland from his diocese and Cardinal Burke from his apartment. And last week, he added the ban on Bishop Strickland to celebrate Mass in his former diocese. Progressives are furious at having lost ground in the short term, thanks to Tuco's clumsiness. The conservatives smile smugly, and it wouldn't be strange if they put a, forward, a few more banana peels in the pampered man's path to make him stumble along with Bergoglio himself. Tuco's greed for power and notoriety is infinite, so it would not be strange if it were Cardinal Fernandez who whispered the idea of an assistant to the Pope's weakened ears, end quote. So there's a couple problems with what he's saying here, actually. One, this is not the first time we heard this story. Last year, somebody, this a variation of this rumor emerged from Rome. They didn't name a name. They didn't name Fernandez at the time because Fernandez wasn't in the Roman Curia. He was an archbishop in in. Argentina somewhere, but he was not a car. He was not a cardinal working in the Roman Curia at the time. But the rumor at the time turned out to be false. LifeSite News in an article that has since been scrubbed from their website. I don't know if anybody archived it. I couldn't find one. Um, a few YouTubers ran with the story. I had a script ready, but I chose not to because I it smelled off. Like this actually doesn't smell right to me, and I'll tell you why here in a moment. Why that is, but. There's this is something similar to something else going on. So you see Henry Sear, and I'm pronouncing it the way I heard him say it in his own podcast episode, <laughs> that there was a rumor that Francis was going to appoint laymen and laity, lay women to active full participation in the next papal conclave. And yes, I'm using the terms active and full participation properly here it, it, to sort of tribute to the things that Francis likes to do to us. But uh, in his article, Pope Francis, how much lower can we sink? This one I've covered twice already. I didn't think I'd be revisiting it here. This is over, uh, you can read this version on 1 Peter 5. All these links will be at Return to Tradition here when my news video for the day goes live. He said something similar, that we get laity participating in the conclave, and not just 
dialogue, not, not just discussing things, but also tw up to 25% of the participants at the conclave voting on this. And we're going to go over this because this is another rumor. This is this one's the important one because of what happened after it came out. So in case you're not familiar with this, we're going to go with what how Henry Sear said this. So, quote, nevertheless, when the final report emerged from the Synod, we all received a surprise. It proved to be unexpectedly inconclusive. Many of us were puzzled by this for a moment, but we got the explanation from a news revelation that appeared shortly afterwards. This was the disclosure of a plan to change the rules for the papal conclaves so as to introduce the participation of lay people, including women. What this showed us was that the point of the preceding synod had not been the document to emerge from it, but the process itself. It was designed to soften up the church for a revolution in the papal election. Thus, we had bishops making declarations like, it will be impossible from now on to hold a synod without lay participation. If that was so, people would also be demanding a papal election under similar conditions, meaning group meetings and dialoguing and talking endlessly in these meetings instead of the way conclaves are usually run, which is just cardinals with their assistants behind closed doors, having giving speeches and then the tallies being taken over and over again until finally you get a pope. This news story disclosed that the conversations had been in progress for months between the pope and Cardinal Ghirlanda, who is a Jesuit, to change the conclave rules. Cardinal Ghirlanda, by the way, besides being a Jesuit, is a propounder of an extreme theological view of papal power, which makes him the ideal agent to entrench, entrench the regime of papal dictatorship. As soon as the story broke, there was a prompt denial from the Vatican, accompanied by furious efforts within the various dicasteries to find out who had been responsible for the leak. The lesson this showed was that the Vatican found it had lost control of the narrative, as they say nowadays, and had been embarrassed by a revelation which preempted its plans. I think there can be little doubt that the reform, so-called, will go ahead, but I presume that the premature revelation has upset Pope Francis's schedule, end quote. We'll get more into that story in a second, but I think this is why that story is why you're seeing the story about Tuco Fernandez coming out with being named as a possible coadjutor bishop of Rome. Not because it's going to happen, but because when you have a leak, it, like Vatican, the Vatican has been leaky for a long time. In the run-up to Traditionis Custodis, we had all kinds of rumors coming out about the nature of the document that turned out to be false. In the aftermath of Traditionis Custodis about the FSSP, we're going to get wiped away, all this stuff. And it turned, most of those turned out to be false. And here's why they turned out to be false. Because they were floating with one way you can find out where a leak is coming from in an organization is to purposely put out bad information to various people. And then whatever version of the information starts getting reported in the media, you can then pinpoint who you're, who is releasing the information. And I think that's what's going on here. They're trying to figure out who is telling the media about this because this change that Henry Sear is talking about is titanic. This one will all but guarantee Francis II or Paul VII or some other nightmare scenario. Now, here's the, here's the context for that story about the synodal reform to a papal election process. It comes from, the, it comes from actually Pillar Catholic initially, uh, where they reported on this several, like back in November when this happened. From this article, we get this headline, Pope Francis looks at synodal reforms to papal election process. Again, synodal, the whole point of the synod on paper was to get the bishops and the laity and the religious and all the rest talking to each other. The real purpose was process. I, The more I think about this, the more I think Tim Gordon is right, that we are going to get radical changes through a change to the process, not by a pope 
coming down from on high and saying, we now have deaconettes. What they're going to do is use the synodal process to put laity in places where they can essentially force the change themselves, thus forcing popes to acquiesce in the future. That's probably how this is going to play out. And what better place to do this than at a conclave, put laity in positions where they can do this. So from the pillar article on this, now remember, pillar Catholic tries to go as neutral and responsible and less biased in their reporting as possible. So they leave one detail out here, and I will fix that after this quote here. So from their report, quote, Pope Francis has delegated Cardinal Gianfranco Ghirlanda to develop draft revisions to the papal election process in light of the approach to dialogue used during the Synod on Synodality, according to sources close to the Vatican Secretariat of State. In a move that could see questions raised by members of the Church's College of Cardinals, the Pope has reportedly asked his senior-ranking canon lawyer to develop possible amendments to University Dominici Gregis, Pope St. John Paul II's 1990 Apostolic Constitution governing the events surrounding the passing of a pope and the election of his successor in a conclave. And we'll pause right there. That's also the document that declared that if there's politicking at a conclave, and if there are, which Cardinal Daniels admitted there was in 2013, then it nullifies the election of a pope. That is the document they're trying to reform here. Continuing. According to senior sources, one proposed change would limit general congregations to the cardinals eligible to participate in the conclave election, those under 80 years of age. The other prospective change would reportedly modify the format of the general congregation, limiting the opportunity for speeches to the whole College of Cardinals, which would be replaced by sessions of similar style to the Synod of Synodality, in which participants sit at round tables of 10 or so participants for, quote, spiritual conversations followed by reports to the entire assembly summarizing those table discussions, end quote. Other reports, the detail they left out, other reports include laity having the right to vote for the Pope. 25% of the participants there being laity who get to actually vote for the Pope. Now, you got to understand something. The laity who participate will be handpicked, and who are going to be hand, who's going to do the handpicking? The Camerlengo, probably, which I... I keep getting Tobin and Kevin Farrell mixed up. The Camerlengo is Kevin Farrell, not Cardinal, not Cardinal Tobin. Farrell is no better. Farrell was Ted McCarrick's roommate who they literally lived in the same place. And he was the one who was surprised and dismayed to have learned about all the things his roommate was doing in the place he lived with him that he somehow didn't know. Take all the time you need to internalize that one, because if you can make that make sense to me, in a way that makes it so it's clear that Kevin Farrell's not just spinning falsehoods. Let me know. But it's remember something. The Vatican is a leaky place. This new rumor of Fernandez's co-adjutor Pope, meaning assistant Pope with the right of automatic succession, is just that. It's a rumor and it's probably not meant to cause a storm among the laity. Do not internalize that story as being true. Probably meant to help them figure out where the leak in the Roman Curia is coming from so they can fire the persons leading to the media, leaking to the media. You know, send a if it's a, a priest, they can go. They can either laicize him, which would almost be appropriate, honestly, or send him off to the hinterland somewhere. You know, Ketchikan, Alaska, if you get the reference, to go become a priest somewhere in in absolute isolation. We're going to go back here to Aldo Maria Valli, who gives us a key bit of context, I think, here, because here we get this. He says, "Quote." In addition to the probable hand of Fernandez, there are also the Jesuits. Never in the history of the church has a pope had a co-adjutor bishop. Uh, that he's wrong there. 
there have been coadjutor popes before. The last time was like the ninth or 10th century. There were two or three successive popes at that time who named their successor in this way. It was a practice that was stopped because the College of Cardinals was increasingly angry at this practice. This was also at the height of one of the worst periods in the history of the Vatican. There's a reason this practice went away. It went away a thousand years ago or more. Let's continue with what he says, though. But let's be honest. This hypothetical oddity would be of the same caliber as the figure of a, quote, Pope Emeritus pulled out of the hat by Benedict XVI. Meaning to have this happen would be as weird as having a, a Pope Emeritus who dresses like a pope, still wears a fisherman's ring or still signs things and talks about ministry and things living in the Vatican, even if he's not, even if he's lifting in mostly silence, not talking very often to the media, it's still an oddity of history. He says, I don't know what the canonical implications would be, and I imagine it would raise quite a fuss, but what is certain is that there is a Jesuit behind it. Again, Cardinal Gianfranco Ghirlanda, reference canonist of the Argentine pontiff and the author of the legal framework of all the antics of him. Duke in Altum, which is a blog, has already reported about the project being developed for change of the rules of the conclave, in which lay people would also participate, and of the general congregations, in which a veto would meaning these are what he's saying here is a veto would be placed for older cardinals, meaning Older cardinals cannot participate. I insist these are hypotheses. Given their absurdity, I am tempted to say they are nothing more than fantasies. The problem is that in recent years, the most extravagant fantasies have become reality. End quote. Case in point, this is one Tim Gordon likes to bring up a lot if you've watched his live streams, is the example of how Francis kept saying no to communion for the, for the divorced and civilly remarried. He told that to Walter Casper many times. And then Omoris Letizia happened written by Fernandez, by the way, much of that document was written by Fernandez when he was in Argentina. That That is when he made his change on what he was saying there. Now, one thing that's worth remembering here, they have admitted they're already looking at modifying the rules for the next conclave. They have said that. They've said it publicly. Don't be surprised. I think the biggest one that's most likely to be right here is the synodal style rumor. Laity voting at the conclave. Remember, they're talking about becoming a synodal church. Well, how do you become a synodal church? By making sure that it, the process of change continues. And, has, and for it to mean anything, they have to have this laity-empowered dialogue and discernment stuff all the way to the very top, to how the Roman pontiff is chosen. We should not be surprised if this happens, though, if cardinals are also sanctioned, who get sanctioned by Francis are barred from participating. Do not be surprised if we get a motu proprio like that. So, for instance, if we get some sort of formal declaration that because he's been sowing disunity among the, the church or in the, in the church, Cardinal Burke cannot participate in a conclave. Don't be surprised if that happens. That would that would eliminate Burke and other people like him from even having a remote chance of becoming pope. And such a change could lead to other cardinals who have been critics of Francis getting canned as well. So, for instance, um, Cardinal Mueller, many of you want Cardinal Mueller as the, the Roman pontiff. Not sure why he's too moderate for my taste, but I do like what he says when he defends the faith. But he he used to be CDF. He used to be the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And then what happened? Summarily dismissed from Rome. Essentially retired early. He would probably get on that list too. All right. So that is that story, though. So I want to suggest to people that when you get these rumors, put it in the context of other things you may have heard. I'm not 
here telling you this to give you affirmation of the rumor is true. I'm telling you, it probably isn't that the synodal style rumor is the one that's probably true. But again, it's a rumor. So make sure to take any of that stuff with a grain of salt, because what they're trying to do right now is figure out where information is coming from in Rome. Let's take a look. Traditional Catholic asked when I was starting this, is the next conclave going to be Sonato? That sounds like what they're trying to do. Again, you have to have a Sonato. If for your rhetoric about a Sonato church to mean anything, that's what they have to do. <laughs> um, let's take a look here. Yeah, Philip Loke says false leaks, a.k.a. a canary trap. That's essentially what it is, right? They're trying to find who is leaking the information. And that is the thing we need to worry about because we pay attention to what's going on. And the reaction to a lot of these leaks is what often stops these leaks from actually coming to uh, this information from coming to pass. Remember, when they squashed what Car Cardinal Gerlando was said to be working on, they denied it, but then they scrambled to internally in Rome to find out where things were going on. We found that out through other reports. Are there any questions in the chat? I have those. Peter asks if there's a, is there, is there, a, are they trying to make the hierarchy obsolete? I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like, isn't it? That they, that the hierarchy becomes like honorific almost. They are trying to, they have said they're decentralizing the church to put more control for laity at the diocesan level, the parish level, and putting more laity in charge of actual dicasteries in Rome, which is a first in history. Romulo says, when Fernandez ascends to the chair of Rome, the ape of the church would go into full bloom. If that happened, I mean, let's say February 2025, a conclave happens. Fernandez is the one who walks out on the loggia. You thought it was bad now. I mean, yeah. Damien Keller reminds us this is something that was kept alive, part of the lost Salette message that was suppressed by Rome that uh, it was kept alive by uh, Car uh, Father Gregory Hess, Canon Hess, that there will be two worm-ridden popes. Father Hess believed it was uh, John Paul II and Paul VI. He was not a fan of either of them by any stretch of the imagination. He uh, passed away during the early days of Francis's pontificate, and he didn't have much nice to say about him either. I wonder what he'd say now, though. Um. In the real world, Bishop Schneider would be a good candidate. Well, yes, but he's an auxiliary bishop. He won't even be there. I doubt he'll be even allowed to assist any bishops, any cardinals who are participating. I'm being suggested to look closer into the Pell situation. I, I'm aware of the Pell situation, and I know about all the forces in Australia who are against him. It's just uh, can't. It was hard. It didn't have time to talk about it really yesterday. <laughs> any chance of the nuns on the bus? They would be on my list of handpicked. If I were Cardinal McElroy or Cardinal Supich, those would be the ones I'd be choosing to be in the to be participating in it from uh, representing American lay people. All right, folks. I wouldn't say this is speculation because again, these rumors. I, I'm actually trying to quash them a little bit. Don't believe them. Know what they're doing. They're trying to go and tell us. They're telling us what they're doing because they need the they need to control the flow of information from Rome because right now things are not going well for them. 
Um, all right, folks. If there's anything else, can a pope allow laity? Yeah. The, the method of choosing the Roman pontiff has, cho has changed dramatically. There was a time when it was the peep, the laity of the archdiocese of Rome who chose the pope. They did it themselves. Um, there have been other mechanisms for it. Remember, there had been coadjutor bishops of Rome before. There, it wasn't popular, but the process has changed, including the number of car cardinals. In fact, there is a Middle Ages motu proprio out there that expressly prohibits the College of Cardinals from being boosted above. I think it was the number 70, 70 cardinals. And that is, nobody listens to that thing anymore, right? So the, the, these, are, these rules are subject to change. Um, I don't know if it would, I would question the legitimacy of having laity do it because we are at the end of the day, a hierarchical church. Jean Baptiste, if you want to send me an email with that stuff, just make sure to have a, make the subject line very easy for me to catch because I have 900 emails in my inbox right now and people are misusing my email. So anyway, I think we're going to wrap this up here. Please pray for everybody that I mentioned in this. If you have any, you know, instinctive negative thoughts about, you know, Francis or anybody else, make sure to say a prayer for some positive effect for them. You know, final repentance or penance or whatever it is. But uh, thanks for tuning in today, folks. And um, I'll post all my links so you can read these for yourselves in my show notes. I have a video going live in 20 minutes about Francis telling the uh, theologians of the church to get radical. Fun times. So thanks for tuning in today, folks. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.